Men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and, and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news. So what God was doing here was that he was orchestrating the disciples not only to be preaching to the Jews, but also to reaching to different cultures. Why? Because he knew that in this small cosmopolitan city, he was going to be able to spread the gospel all throughout the world. People were going to be traveling into the city, becoming disciples, converting to the faith, and then being able to spread the gospel all over the world. That was Antioch back then. And I want to encourage you and empower you with a great vision that we should be that Antioch now. Hello, and welcome to the Orange County Church of Christ audio sermon. Today is week seven of a seven-week series based on the book, A Crown That Will Last, written by Michael Burns. Our lesson today will be led by Pablo Padilla, who serves in the Orange County ministry. We hope you enjoy today's lesson. Let's get started. Good morning, Orange County. It's great to see all of you guys and be a part of this awesome Sunday service. Uh, we're praying for those affected by the fires, and uh, we're so grateful that you're tuning in. Uh, our hearts go out to you, and uh, we're just praying for you. And if you need anything, please reach out to the OC staff. Uh, today, we are concluding our series on a crown that will last. And it's been encouraging just to hearing all the sermons and learning about culture humility. It's something been very convicting to me personally because I thought I had it on straight. I thought that I didn't need to learn anything more about cultural humility, but in fact I did. It's been very challenging and convicting, but it's been inspiring because I've been able to get to know so many more of my neighbors and validating people's hearts and emotions and experiences. And I've grown so much from this those last six, seven weeks. And I look forward to using these new convictions and using this new vision to be able to propel me and help me for the future. And I hope that you've been learning and growing as well. Today, we're going to close out with the theme, A New Antioch. I want to give you a vision of what our church should be like, what our ministries should be like, what our small faith group should be like, that we would have that rich cultural humility in order to impact one another and love one another. When I first came to church, I don't know about you, but when I first came to church, I was really blown away by one thing. And I want you to think about that. What blew you away when you first stepped in to church? And to me, it was the diversity of the church. That blew me away. The diversity, when I mean ages, older, in the middle, younger, very young, uh, people who came from different backgrounds. Some were wealthy, some were poor, some were in the middle. Uh, some were educated, some were professionals and businesses and entrepreneurs, and they didn't have an education, but they worked really hard. Uh, I've, I've known people who were black, white, uh, brown, and all kinds. And when I saw them interacting with one another and loving each other and giving their lives for each other, it blew me away thinking, wow, this is what I've been looking for. This is what I want to be a part of. When I was baptized as a teenager in my high school, everyone segregated. Brown people were with brown people. The black people were with black people. White people were with white people. And the Islanders were with the Islanders. And that's how it was. The, the football team was with the football team. The cheerleaders were with the cheerleaders. And everyone was segregated into their groups, their factions. And I was with the Browns, thinking that, well, that's where I belong. That's the skin color I have, right? And so to me, it was natural just to hang out with my own type. But I 
yearned and longed to connect with many others. I, what I loved about the church was just the fact that it was diverse. There were so many people. When I was worshiping in service, there people of all nations singing together and worshiping God. Even right now today in the services, we have great diversity. We hear from different people and we want students there, singles there, marrieds there, those who are uh, empty nesters, because why? We want everyone to be included. That's the body of Christ, that we're all connected, that we're all inclusive, right? And we're all connected. And i like to start off in Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 26. In Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 26, the Bible reads, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. Keep that in mind. Spreading the word only among Jews. Keep that in mind as well. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. You know, what's happening here in this part of the world is incredible. There's going to be a map here, and you're going to see that Antioch is in the middle of the Mediterranean Peninsula. Jerusalem is far southeast. And then if you look towards the northwest, you're going to see Rome and you're going to see Greece. But if you see in the middle of that peninsula, in that Bay Area, you're going to see Antioch. And some people call it Antioch of Syria or Syrian Antioch, which is today modern day Turkey, the coast. And you see that if you don't travel by boat, if you have to travel by land, you would have to cross Antioch. It was right in the middle. And so by reading the book, Crown That Will Last, I learned and I did some research that it was a cosmopolitan city. And what does that mean? It's just like Orange County. It's right by a border. It's right by another country. Obviously, we have Mexico in the north. Obviously, we have the United States. We're part of the United States. And Orange County in Southern California is a cosmopolitan region of the world because we have almost every nation represented in this area. That's a gift from God. Many of us, we yearn to be missionaries. We yearn to impact the world, but yet we forget that right here locally, we can impact all nations. How are we going to do that, though? By having that cultural humility, by having that new vision that we can turn Orange County to the new Antioch. It says there that the disciples were first preaching to the Jews. It says there that they were spreading the word only among Jews. However, some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and, and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news. 
So what God was doing here was that he was orchestrating the disciples not only to be preaching to the Jews, but also to reaching to different cultures. Why? Because he knew that in this small cosmopolitan city, he was going to be able to spread the gospel all throughout the world. People were going to be traveling into the city, becoming disciples, converting to the faith, and then being able to spread the gospel all over the world. That was Antioch back then. And I want to encourage you and empower you with a great vision that we should be that Antioch now. They were so impressive that these Christians began to be persecuted. And when I mean persecution, they were being made fun of. People were calling them out. And in a city where everyone belongs to a sect, a faction, or even in this city, they were being labeled. And I don't know about you, but being labeled is something harsh. It's, it's cruel. It's unjust. However, it does happen. And what I love about God is that he uses that negative and he turns it into a positive. What do I mean by that? At the very end in verse 26, it states that the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. You know, back then, if you were a disciple, you literally could use your, lose your life for carrying the, the flag of Jesus. And they were heavily persecuted, something that I don't think it's common right now in Orange County, to, to, to be quite frank with you. I'm not hearing stories that were being severely persecuted. Now, I validate that some of us are getting bullied. Some of us are getting, uh, you know, we're being called names and people look down at us. Maybe we've had separations, unfortunately. People have disowned us or maybe they've... Uh, uh, separated themselves from us on social media because we, we, we say Jesus Christ and, and they don't relate with that. And that happens. But back then, people were getting stoned for their faith. Their houses were uh, being burned. Their uh, kids, their wives were being taken away from them. And it was something very severe. However, those the toughest persecutions were happening in Rome and in Jerusalem. In Antioch, it was still new. This was a, a, a little bit of a more open-minded culture. And they were accepting the disciples, but it was still harsh in the sense that they were now being labeled. And as you see right here, they were called Christians first at Antioch. See, the, the Antioch people believed just you have to belong somewhere. We have to put you in a box. We have to compartmentalize you, if you will, and say, hey, you're a part of this group or sect, and we have to label you. And so... Typically, they would na uh, name you, give you a name, and they were called Christians, which to us, it translates in English, in English as little Christ, or we're of Christ. And it wasn't uh, a loving or an endearing term. It, it wasn't something like they would look at, wow, you're an awesome Christian, and we love you for that. No, it was, we looked down at you. You're a Christian? You belong to that guy, Christ? And they didn't understand and what's incredible is that people were given that name, yet why were they given that name? We have to think of why did they choose to, to, to be labeled and suffer and be able to be called those names. And, and it was because of their love. As you see there, you hear people traveling to help each other, to teach to each other. The, the, the fact that all these nations were meeting in this city and the fact that they were all uh, fellowshipping together and getting to know each other and being there for each other and caring for each other, praying with each other and learning about the scriptures. 
I mean, that takes time. That takes energy. That's intentional. That's deliberate. And that's the love that we all want in this new Antioch of our today's age. However, back then, our brothers and sisters suffered for the name of Jesus Christ. And why? Because of love. And so my first point today is that we're persecuted because of love. Sometimes we think we're persecuted because we're just a Christian or we're persecuted because we belong to church. There's many people out there that call themselves Christians. Let's face it, there's many people that go to church. There's many people that have a religion or are part of something. But you got to ask yourself, what separates us from them? What separated this Antioch of the first century from everyone else? And you know what it was? It was their love. They were willing to be labeled. They were willing to be called names. They were willing to be persecuted for the faith. And I think too many times in our today age, it's not cool to be persecuted. It's not cool to be labeled. It's not cool to face uh, uh, persecution for loving like Christ. However, we got to understand that if we're going to change this world, we're going to have to love like Christ. We're not going to, our love are on our own, it's not going to get us very far. It might bring us a nice family. We might be popular, make some friends. But if we really want true change, we're going to have to be persecuted because of our love. People are not going to like us. People are not going to want us near them. But we have to just humble out and understand that we're not here to control them or impact them. We're here to impact those who are willing to listen. And in time, if we continue to love, we will make that impact in this world. Uh, I know for me as a teenager, I just want to be open with you that uh, I remember as a 15-year-old disciple, I was baptized and my mom brought me out to church and I was encouraging and I was so inspired. But my friends in high school would encourage me, hey, why don't you check out that girl? Look at her. And, you know, this beautiful, you know, uh, girl would be walking by and all my friends would be like uh, checking her out and calling out her body parts and be pointing out to her and they would ask me, hey, Pablo, why don't you take a look? Look at her. Isn't she, you know, this or that? And I would look away and I'd go, no, 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 I don't want to. And I just felt guilty. I just knew that I, I couldn't stare. I didn't want to give in. What ended up happening, though, really shocked me because my friends then turned themselves against me. They said, well, you must be gay or we question your manhood. We question your sexuality. We question you know, if you're really Pablo, and when I was trying to describe to them, well, I'm a Christian, I'm a disciple, I go to church now, I'm different, I'm not that way anymore, they didn't stop. They continued to make fun of me and ridicule me. And I remember just isolating from them and just feeling so heartbroken at the time. And uh, trust me, you know, this was about 20 years ago. It's not like at that moment I could deal with my emotions. I was just feeling them. And, and I remember being open with my teen leaders and uh, the brothers and sisters in our teen ministry, in the Spanish ministry, and just learning from them that sometimes we're going to get persecuted because we love Christ that much, because we love people that much. And I know for me, that really bothered me that my friends would make fun of me. And I know many of you can relate. Many of you uh, suffer persecution at work. People make fun of you when you pray for your food. Some of you go to school in high school and, and you're trying to start a club there or you're trying to start a Bible talk or you're trying to do events on your, on your, on your campuses and people make fun of you. They, they look the other way. Maybe they see you approaching them, trying to invite them out and they look away and I know that hurts. I know some of us students, the campus students, we're also trying to do great things on our universities and colleges and 
people make fun of you. They label you. Well, no, you you must be with this political party if you're a Christian, or, or you must be doing this for this reason, or there's something you want from me. But at the end of the day, what, what do we all want, if we're really honest? All we want is love. However, though, that crazy love is going to get us persecuted. And However, I want to encourage you that you're suffering for the name. You're not just suffering because God wants you to suffer, but there's a purpose to the persecution. There's a purpose to fighting for that love. And I want to share with you another scripture that relates to this that Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 to 12. The Bible reads, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happen to me where? The Bible says here in Antioch. You know, Paul remembered this time. Barnabas sent for Paul, right? At that time, Saul, but then came Paul. And he sent for Paul to come and help him to teach. And here, as he's addressing a second letter to Timothy, a young minister, helping him raise him up in the Lord, he's telling them, remember what happened in Antioch. Remember how much we suffered. But why? Because of love, because of faith, because of patience. And it says there that these things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You know, my second point is that we need to persevere because of love. So my first point was persecuted because of love. But my second and final point is that we need to persevere because of love. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 through 25. The Bible reads there, <clears throat> Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I am myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They will do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. You know, we got to ask ourselves, why do we endure so much? Why do we suffer so much? Why do we persevere so much? And it's all because of love. You see Paul's heart here. I'm trying to win the Jews, which was happening in Jerusalem. Then he says, I'm trying to win those not having the law. He's trying to win over the Gentiles, those in Rome, those in Greece, those in Antioch, and the mixed population there. He's doing this because he has a reason. And then he says, I'm trying to win over the weak, those who don't have faith at all. 
those who might be suffering, those who might be going through tragedy and, and, and disruptions in their life. And God cares about you. And Paul says, I'm trying to win you also. He's trying to win as many as possible because he knows that if we win them over to Christ and we live under his love, that we're going to be, be living the best life possible. I want to challenge us all to this week. You know, in a few days, we're going to be having the election. And I know that that's going to be a main topic. It's going to be on our social media. We're getting emails about it uh, from different uh, districts and different parties, and they're trying to get our vote. I know that it, you're going to see a lot of commercials on TV. And these are things that can distract us from the focus of love, from that insight, that goal of love. And... I want us to be focused on caring for one another during the next few days and, and forevermore that we don't get distracted by what's going on in the world. And yes, are you able to vote? Of course, we support you. You want to go ahead and vote for your candidate? Go for it. We're, we're happy for you. And, and we, you know, we're, we're, we're encouraging you to do what you feel is right and what's best for you and your family. However, let's not be competitive. If, if our candidate wins... Let's not rub it in other people's faces. If our candidates lose, let's not go on this, uh, you know, rants on social media and be vengeful or, 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 or cause division or, or cause uh, um, dilemmas because we want to live in the love of Christ. We don't want to be divided by what party or what you, what you think is the best way to solve the, the worlds of the problem through secular means. We're not solving problems through secular means here in our church or with our faith. We're trying to solve them with the words of Christ and his example. And so I pray and I hope that we all make a decision today that no matter what happens in a few days, whether it's resolved in a few days or it's going to be a few weeks or whatnot, that we just rely on Christ and that we love people and that we're patient. I know that people may say things or do things that might test us, but that's going to be a test either of our love and we have to. I pray we show up and, and give that love and surrender our love uh, to Christ. And that's the challenge I have for all of us. But a calling that I want us to all have as well, that as we close out the sermon, is that I want to invite people. I want us to invite people from all different cultures and backgrounds to our homes. You heard me right. I want us to invite people of different cultures and backgrounds to our homes, you know, I know that right now COVID is going on, and I know that we have to be safe. But I want us to plan, if not at this moment, but maybe in the near future, that we can make a plan with our families and say, hey, or in our households for the students and singles, that we can plan out and say, hey, when are we going to invite people over of different cultures and backgrounds so we can learn from them? Some of us, we have incredible homes. We live in great places. And not too many people from different cultures or backgrounds have been in our homes. And I think we need to invite them and have dinner with them so we can learn and appreciate each other. And, and the vision is, the calling is that we are the new Antioch, that we pre present the body of Christ, that when people come into church, they could see a diversity like never before. That's our greatest gift as a church to this world, that they see the representation of the body of Christ, that they see diversity. They see that we're cultural, uh, we, we have cultural humility. And that would be an amazing goal for us to be the new Antioch 
in today's society because think about it. We have the two greatest strengths ever. Number one, we have Jesus Christ leading us, that we have an example that we can follow. And second of all, we can love like him. You pair those two things up. Jesus Christ with his body, the church, that's fully diverse and has that culture of humility, we put those two things together, we will be unstoppable. This generation and the future generations will hear of our love, our devotion, and they will never, ever be the same again because they know that they have something to point to. And as we take communion, I'd like to encourage you to remember the last statement I read there in Corinthians where Paul says, why do we do this? They do it for a crown that won't last, right? People run. People play sports. People try to get into tournaments and win because they want medals and, and those accomplishments. But Paul said, my conviction is that we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Just bow with me in prayer, please. Father, we're so grateful that your Bible speaks of eternal words, of eternal changes, of eternal outcomes. And we're grateful that you care about our souls so much that you gave us your best in Jesus Christ. And we know that Jesus suffered. He was persecuted. He was stoned at times. He was chased out of town. He was nearly thrown off a cliff because he stood up for what was right, because he stood up for love. And we know that he endured, he suffered, he groaned through prayer, he cried for us, he wept for us, and he persevered because of his love for us. And we're so grateful that he went and faced that pain rather than us. I pray right now we're very grateful for his love and his gift of his life for our sins. And I pray that we can be changed because of his crown, the crown of thorns forever. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and look forward to being with you next week. You can find more information about our church on our website, occhurchofchrist.com. You can also watch live services on our Facebook and YouTube pages, which are located on our website. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.